This is episode 37 of Off Script with Trish Glose, intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people. In front of my microphone today is Kathy Noah, editor of Mail Tribune, badass journalist, and a pretty cool chick. <laughs> wow, that's a lot to live up to, Trish. <laughs> no, it's not. Not at all. It's but true. thank you for having me. I appreciate well, it. Thank you for being here. You're the first podcast interview of 2019. <gasps> That's right? awesome. Yeah. I kind of took a little break. We did like a holiday thing, and then I had one recorded, and that aired uh, just yesterday, actually. But you're the first interview of 2019. Well, I hope to live up to the I wanted to start hype. off the year with some just good female energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some good, Yeah, 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 for right? sure. We some, need more of that, don't you think? I agree. I really agree. And I feel like it's coming. It is. Okay. Yeah. This will be the year. I really believe that. Yeah. Just... Just powering women. I read this awesome quote the other day about, you know, we've been striving so long to do everything that men can do. Let's focus on the things that we can do that men can't do. Oh, I love that. Right? Yes. Just made me feel like, like the lioness doesn't try to be like the lion. She's just the lioness. Exactly. Nothing wrong with that. This is not a feminist (laughs) (laughs) podcast right now, but we are going to move on. Um, Where are you from originally? Actually, I'm homegrown. I was born in Southern Oregon and raised here. Look at you. Yeah, I know. I grew up in Rogue River. Wow. Yeah. Go Chieftains. Rogue River High School? Yes. Okay. I've worked on the newspaper there. I was going to ask. (laughs) Were you a newspaper nerd in high school? I was, and it actually saved me because Mm -hmm. I was a very um, shy, introverted person, not very courageous, and um, but I wanted to be a writer, and the... My freshman year in high school, our English teacher asked us to write a um, newspaper story, and she taught us about leads and inverted pyramid mm. and all that stuff. So I wrote one, and she read it in front of the class. She loved it so much. And then she caught me in the hall and said, would you like to join the newspaper? I'm like, well, sure, you know. Wow. And then I found out that you can ask people any question you want. Mm-hmm. You can be as nosy as you want. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a curious person. And it just um, gave me a sense of power and confidence that I hadn't felt before. And I haven't really looked back since. That's amazing. There's nothing like, especially a, a teacher coming to you and saying, this was really good. I want you to do X. Exactly. Based on your talent. Right. Oh, and how fortunate. So I know. I really feel fortunate because a lot of people don't really know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They'll go into college and they'll change their major several times because they don't know. And I just feel really fortunate that I knew that early and have right. been able to follow that passion for most of my life. Um, I was just chatting with a friend, a South Carolina friend on Facebook about something completely random. And she said, wow, that girl at the lunch table at Aiken High School hasn't changed very much. I used to do live <laughs> reports in the cafeteria, like at different lunch tables. Oh, my gosh, that is so cool. Like the biggest nerd on the planet. <laughs> but I knew, I mean, that was, you know, 10th grade. I knew, I was like, this is what I want to do. I know. And it's isn't it a great feeling? And I've never looked back. Yep. Okay, um, before we move on, I'm going to go back a little bit. But the inverted pyramid, I love telling my reporters about the inverted pyramid because it just paints such a perfect picture. But tell all of our listeners what, there's only like five of them, tell all of the (laughs) listeners what um, the inverted pyramid is. Oh, well, it's basically um, realizing that readers don't have a whole lot of time. So you need to catch, capture their attention right away and Mm -hmm. you need to give them what the story is about. And then you layer it after that with more details. So if there's a major crime, for example, you would want to summarize. First, you want to catch them with something 
interesting in the lead, and then you kind of summarize what the story's about, mm -hmm. and then you go into the detail and you back up your lead. Right. If you don't do that, then readers are will be looking through and going, what, what what's the point? Why should I be reading this? And exactly. then you'll lose them. The lead is the biggest part of the story. Exactly. Yeah. Do you write your lead first or do you write your lead last? I'm one of those people who have the, has, has to have the perfect lead. I mean, I really do work mm -hmm. on it before mm -hmm. I go to the rest of the story. And also when I'm editing, um, if I see a story where the lead is weak, I'll work on that lead until I get it right before I go through the rest of the story. I know people who will write their whole story and then put their lead on because they sort of figure out what the lead is by writing the story. Okay. Um, but I can't work that way. I know. <laughs> I don't know why, but. <laughs> I'm with you. There's a lot of, we have reporters here who write the intro, which is essentially the lead mm -hmm. for, a, for a broadcast story. Right. They write it after they've written their story story. I'm just like, Ugh, my brain yeah. hurts. What are you doing? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, so let's go back. You grew up in Rogue River. Did you grow up with siblings? Yes. Okay. Two siblings, an older brother who lives in Medford. Um, he's um, retired and has a window washing business and was a meat cutter all his life. Ooh. Yeah. Awesome. For food for less, most of that. And then um, I have a sister who's two years younger than me, and she's very severely um, mentally disabled and has Down syndrome and okay. lives in a home in Grants Pass. Oh, okay. So you were the middle child. Yes. Okay. So she was born with Down syndrome. Right. What was that like? It was a challenge because um, we could never take family vacations together because she was so disabled that we couldn't take her with us. So mm -hmm. one parent had to, you know, go with the kids and the other parent stayed with Susie, my oh, sister. Oh, man, that is tough. Yeah. and But it did give me a compassion for people and, um, you know, for people who are different than us. Obviously, mm -hmm. I grew up with that kind of compassion. But it was difficult. Was she, uh, she physically disabled at all? Yes. Okay. So in a wheelchair? Most of the time, yeah. She okay. could walk a little bit. She can't anymore for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, she did go to school. She rode a special bus to school and everything. Um, but, yeah, it was difficult. My parents took care of her until they were in their early 80s and just wow. couldn't do it anymore. And okay. we found a really nice home in Grants Pass that's run by Aspire. Yes. The, yeah, Southern Oregon Aspire, and they're just wonderful. What was that like growing up with? I mean, kids are, I feel like kids are mean anyways. Mm -hmm. What was that like growing up with a younger sister who rode a different bus right, exactly. to school? I remember a couple of times where um, somebody would say something and my brother would get all over him. Um, he was very protective of her. And then I remember another time where my mom was with Susie and a woman came by and said something like, God, I wonder what she did to deserve that. Oh, my gosh. I know. Yeah. What is wrong with people? I don't know. I think I say that once a day. Mm -hmm. What is wrong know, with right? people? <laughs> exactly. I can't even, I don't even have a good response to that. That's just so ugly and vicious. Yeah. Mm. Anyways, so Susie is doing well yes, now? Yes, she's doing well. She's, you know, she's 55. So that's... Um, Fairly old for somebody who has um, Down syndrome and, and that kind of disability, but she seems to be doing fine. Okay. Yeah, she's not um, very verbal. She's not verbal at all, so you don't really know what's going on in her mind, and depending on mm. how she is, sometimes she's a little vegetative and sometimes she's a little more animated. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does she partake in any fun activities at where she lives? Mm, she used to, but she really um, is bedridden now. It's so. kind of slowed down? Yeah. Okay. So you grew up with two siblings in Rogue River. And, I mean, this was 
a few years ago. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Smaller. I mean, the Rogue Valley was a lot smaller. Yes, for sure. Okay. And everybody knew your business, <laughs> which, <laughs> which isn't always a good thing. Right. I was just going to say, sometimes that can be good, and sometimes that is not good at all. You really have to watch your P's and Q's everywhere. Well, especially for you being on TV. Mm. I just You're had so... this conversation with friends <laughs> last night. We were at a restaurant, and I said something a little loud that was a little kind of risque and fun. <laughs> And no, they not all la- you. And they all laughed, exactly. And one of my friends was like, she pointed behind me, and she goes, that woman just totally turned around to see who said that. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> Here comes the complaint, right? And then at some point, you just go, I'm not going to apologize for the things that I say that are I mean. Exactly, right? Like, you still have to be yourself. And I'm not going to be, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would probably be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that about Trish Close. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a nice human being. Exactly. And that's the most, the most important thing for me is just to be kind. Right. So, and a great journalist. And a great journalist. We're going to talk about that, too. So after high school, what comes next? Went to um, Southern Oregon State College at the time. Which is now SOU. Yeah, okay. exactly. And I was the editor of the newspaper there, of course. Oh, man, you are a newspaper I nerd. Know. I love it. <laughs> I had internships at The Courier. Um, I, I, I actually have worked at Every Daily in the Rogue Valley. Look at you. Yeah. That's awesome. When did you get the job at Mail Tribune? Um, 1999 is the most recent time. I was an intern for the Mail Tribune when I was in college. Okay. I was an intern for The Courier when I was in high school. And then I got jobs first at The Tidings and then at The Courier before um, I went away for a while. I actually went to the coast for seven years. I was going to ask, did you, right after high or college, did you get a job somewhere else? Um, actually, right after college, it was at the Courier. Well, okay. it was at the Tidings and then the Courier. I'm sorry. I have I a very... A lot of, lot of papers. Varied, yes. A lot of, lot of papers. But you, when did you go to the coast? That was in 92. Okay. My partner at the time got a job, and so I followed him and... You know, I couldn't get any other job except as in paste up at a newspaper there, mm-hmm. um, which was a humbling experience to say the least. I bet. Yes. I and bet. then I actually went into PR, which is another oh, humbling man. experience. You went over to the dark side. <laughs> I did. That's what we call it in journalism. When yes. someone takes a PR job, they go to the dark <laughs> side. <laughs> and it really is from our perspective because as journalists because – when you're in PR, your boss will say, well, just make up a quote for me and I'll sign off on it. Or, you know, um, they'll rewrite history and you're like, well, that didn't really happen. Right. But it sounds better. Yeah. It looks good on a piece of paper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you worked, um, did you work at a paper on the coast at all? Yeah, just in paste up for a year before I could not stand it any longer. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. it was called the News Times, I think. Okay. And so then when did you make the move back to the Rogue Valley? In 1999. Okay. Yeah. They had an opening for a team leader, which is like a city editor, so mm-hmm. a manager of reporters, and I was able to get back into my passion, which was awesome. I really missed it. Yeah, I'm sure. And there is something about, you mentioned this earlier, being able to ask whatever you want Mm -hmm. because you're, because you're, that's your job. Yeah, exactly. That's your job. And I do believe there is an art in asking questions because you can really come off as a fairly heinous person in the way you ask the question. Exactly. And there's some people who deserve that heinous attitude and there's some people who just don't. And Mm -hmm. you just need to kind of soften up your questions a little bit. Right. And realize that people are people and they respond to emotions and Mm -hmm. they have their own insecurities and their own fears and they're afraid of what you're going to print or put on air. So you need to, you know, be very upfront with them about 
why you're asking those questions and why it's important. Yeah. Did you ever have an interview that going into it was kind of a butt clencher where you were just like, <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be brutal? Yes. I think we all have many times, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it makes your heart beat fast, you know? Mm-hmm. You sweat a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're swallowing and you right. know, dry mouth and all that. Exactly. But, but um, at the end of the day, you just have to realize what's important is the reader and what does the reader need to know. And you're just the conduit, you know. It's not you personally that is um, mm-hmm. uh, bothering these people. You're not trying to bother them. You're just trying to get the truth, right? Yeah. And you, you just tru- have to remember that. You truly are the messenger. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you get a job at Mail Tribune, mm-hmm. and this is in 99? Right. Okay. And so you've worked there since, I mean, today. Right, exactly. Oh, you're like like me. You're like an old-timer. <laughs> Only worse. Yeah, Even no, older. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, are you the first female editor of the Mail Tribune? I am, yes. Kathy Noah, you like made history. <laughs> in my own little small way. <laughs> Still. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I don't think it was because they were being chauvinistic or anything, because Bob was there for 30 years, Let's right? talk about forever. Yeah. Sorry, Bob. I know. Forever. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. <laughs> um, so how did, that, how did that journey start then, as far as you getting into that editor position? You know, I really, um, people think, well, you've wanted this your whole life, right? And the answer is no, not really, um, because what I was doing was so fun for me. The city editor manages the reporters and decides what's going to go in the paper every day and, you know, does a lot of the editing, and that's all the stuff that I feel like I'm good at. And it's the fun stuff, you know, working with reporters and coming up with great stories. Um, but as an editor, it's a whole nother layer of management mm-hmm. and responsibility, crushing responsibility. A ton. Exactly, and it's not what I would consider fun, although I do love my job, mm-hmm. um, but it is. But that's why I never really aspired to be the top editor. It was kind of a natural progression. Sure. But, um, but Bob actually told me he was retiring on my birthday, and he said, I have a birthday present for you. <laughs> I'm like, no. No, you are not. <laughs> You're not. That is not a birthday present. It's the worst present ever, right. Bob. Um, I think, t- you know, kind of the same path for me just a little bit working with reporters it's very much a mentor type role exactly and then when i was made the executive producer i was like oh i kind of have to be a boss now this sucks Mm -hmm. it sucks right it's i mean it's and i don't want to be i say babysitting and it's i don't mean that in a negative nasty way but it is you're you're kind of like at some points of your day um herding cats and it's it can be very stressful where the, the job that you used to have where you were a little footloose and fancy free and you could just kind of do what you wanted and write the stories you wanted. Right. You're like, oh, man, I miss those days. I know, exactly. I have to, to say something, though, that I really do love my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really happy that I'm there and that I got this job and what a privilege it is. But it just is that crushing responsibility every day of, you know, not, not only responsible for the news reporters, but also Mm -hmm. everything else that's in the paper, everything that's going on with the um, news operation. Right. So it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so much so even the smallest thing that's not really small, but if there's one little thing that's misspelled, Mm -hmm. oh, you guys hear about it. Oh, yeah. Right. Don't you guys have proofreaders down there? (laughs) Oh, we we hear the same thing. Don't you guys have spell check? Um, What other kind of fun letters do you get? Do you get some doozies? 
We do get some doozies. I was trying to think of what would be the most fun. A lot of it is just um, people railing about, you know, either their delivery wasn't the way they wanted it or mm. um, they don't agree with our opinions. Mm. Um, we're, we've been called way too conservative. We've been called way too liberal. So we feel like we must be doing something right. I was just going to say, I was just going to say that. Yeah. And I feel like if people start complaining about the stories that you do, it's like, well, they're listening. They're reading. They're paying attention. Right. Mm -hmm. As long as you're reading, you can be pissed off at me. Yeah. I do really appreciate a lot of, especially the letters to the editor. We have a lot of very concerned, passionate, people who live in our community. Yeah, exactly. It's and they've awesome. lived here a long time. Mm-hmm. And they've got a lot of opinions. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> uh, what are some of the big stories you you guys have covered, but maybe even more so just for you, you remember as like, man, that was huge or that was big or that created actual change. Mm-hmm. Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, there's a few. Um, the first one is the 9-11. I mean, yeah. that's for everybody, I think. Um, I was supposed to have that day off, and I was, you know, in bed, you know, just waking up, listening to JPR, and then going, wait a minute, that, vo- that voice is really tense. What's going on? You know, and then you start hearing what's happening. So I ran to the living room, turned on the TV, saw the second tower fall, and just knew nothing was going to be the same after this. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't know how America was going to change or what exactly was happening or how many more terrorist attacks there would be. Um, so I ran into the office and um, got everybody marshaled to see what how the local community was responding. What are we going to tell our children? Um, does anybody have relatives that are affected? Um, all of that. And we actually put out a special edition that day, which mm-hmm. I don't know if we've ever done before. Um, and we had kids on the streets hawking the paper like they used to in the 1920s. You know, oh, extra, extra. man, really? Yeah. Where? Like just in downtown Medford? Exactly. Or? Wow. Yeah. That so gave that me was, goosebumps. Yes. It was an amazing day. I mean, there was a lot of adrenaline and a lot of shock and, you know, just grieving for the people that went through that and just horrified and not knowing what's going to happen next, but also a lot of, you know, that excitement of having a story that's this big. Right. I think that weirds people out sometimes, but we do, as journalists, get excited when it's something that big. Mm -hmm. This is a chance for us to really get in there and tell people this is what's happening. Exactly. This is what's happened. This is what's going to happen or, you know, whatever. But I think it, it sounds weird for a lot of people. And it's like you guys just kind of get too excited about death and destruction Mm. and it's because it's a story to tell you exactly we're storytellers right and I would much rather be in the thick of it than be on the outside wondering what's happening I want to be in there and asking those questions Mm -hmm. for sure and again you're the messenger so we we are the connection to our readers and our viewers that are on the outside we're that connection to what's happening right um so besides 9-11 which is a doozy that's a big one um any local stories that were just really big for you guys? Yeah, I thought um, in, I think it was 2007 when the Medford School District announced it was going to close um, Roosevelt and Jackson Elementary Schools mm-hmm. because there were structural problems that made it them not safe. And um, we started reporting that really heavily because the community was up in arms. They're, those are poor areas, poor neighborhoods, and their parents don't have transportation. And taking away that neighborhood school would take away a lot of opportunities for those kids. 
um, even something as serious as lunches during the summers. Huge. Because they wouldn't have access to get there. Right. And so we covered that very heavily, and they had lots of public um, hearings, and they ended up saving those schools and remodeling them. So I felt like the Mail Tribune made a big difference in that story, and I think that's one of the reason, one of the things that we can do that really serves readers is, um, here's what's happening. You need to get involved, and then when they do get involved, change is possible. Totally, absolutely. Um, was did you have multiple reporters on that? During that time? Yes. Um, Paris Aiken, who's now working for um, the Portland Tribune, is was a big part oh. of that. Yeah, so she's she is credited with a lot of that coverage. What um, You guys have had a lot of reporters at the trip who've been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's amazing. It is. I think that one thing is, you know, um, I try to make it a pleasant place to work, you know, <laughs> but also the Rogue Valley is such a draw. I mean, they have their kids here and um, they want to stay here, which is really nice. But what's great about that is that there's so much experience and institutional knowledge there um, that helps bring depth to our coverage. Yeah, I would say that's one thing that makes me a little jealous about the staff at the Trib versus here. We have so many new reporters who are coming in that they don't get to stay and oh, I did that story five years ago, here's the background right. or whatever. I think we, we really miss that here. Yeah, exactly. But That's then you have fresh sad. perspective too. That's very true. Young, excited exactly. reporters. Right, who see things like a story that we might think, God, we've done that a million times. Mm -hmm. This is their first time though, and they can bring that excitement to the coverage. That's very, very true. Um, and really quickly, you know, we have been, uh, some of the community may know that News 10 and Mail Tribune are kind of working on this awesome partnership. Right. Um, we're still in the works a little bit, but it's. I'm very excited to see what happens in the future. Yeah, me too. Some of my favorite stories are the ones that you have done with Vicki. Mm -hmm. um, that whole Waiting for Tragedy series about mental health and how hard it is to commit somebody who's violently mentally ill. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that was a real service to the community. Right. And it really shines a light on that part of our community that's huge where you even look at officer involved shootings or anything exactly. i mean a lot of it ties back to mental health right and then the series that you guys did on women in crime mm -hmm. and how um, treating them differently in the justice system helps them a lot more than if they were just another inmate like any man right i mean we that's the other thing i love about this community is that there are people again who are so passionate and they're looking at these issues and they're going, we need a separate fill in the blank mm -hmm. for this group of people because what we're doing now is not working. Exactly. So any, th any other stories? Well, I do like the ones that surprise me since I've been here all my life. Sure. Um, what I love is when I hear about somebody who lives there that I didn't know about or something happens that is totally surprising. Do you remember um, Robert Borba, the guy who lassoed the bicycle thief? Yes, <laughs> who didn't live here, right? No, he well, he moved to Eagle Point recently. Okay, yeah. there you go. He was from Northern California. Yes. And for the readers who or listeners who don't know what happened, it's been all over. But yeah. um, this guy, Robert Borba from Eagle Point Rancher, um, came to the Walmart parking lot to buy dog food, I think it was. Mm -hmm. He happened to have his horse with him in a horse trailer because they were heading down to California to brand some cattle. And his horse's name was Long John. Of course. And uh, when he went out into the parking lot, he heard a woman screaming that somebody was stealing her bicycle. 
And there was a guy, you know, struggling with the gears, trying to get out of the parking lot on his mm-hmm. bike. And then he finally ditched the bike and started running. Well, Robert jumped into action, got his horse out, um, and then took his rope and actually lassoed the guy's legs and yeah. held him down until the police got there. <laughs> Who does that? Oh, right. Who can even do a lasso? Right. <laughs> and I just love, I mean, it's just a classic all the elements are there of a great story. Exactly, right. Parking lot, Walmart, Eagle Point, <laughs> a cowboy. You can't go Bicycle wrong. Bicycle thief. That's yes. a podcast just all on its own right there. Uh, but this guy, and I think a lot of people, too, love when a, a nobody, mm-hmm. for the most part, steps in and does something right. Exactly. And heroic. And heroic. And even looked like a hero, right? It was good looking. Mm-hmm. You know, had that cowboy hat. I mean... <laughs> And was so just candid and funny yes. and like, no big deal. I know. I just lasso. <laughs> we need to put him on the Medford police force, I yeah, think. Yeah, we do. With his horse. <laughs> or the, what is it, the Jackson County Sheriff's? Don't they have like a horse posse? I know, right? Needs <laughs> <laughs> to be a part of that. Uh, we were just chatting a little bit about um, something that happened within the Trump administration. Before we get to that, what have you seen that's changed within journalism as far as even just the last few years, I feel like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like it's it's kind of making a comeback. Mm, I hope so. I think local news, especially local newspapers, local TV stations, um, are still the bastions of journalism that people still trust. The national media is having to gain back that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we can take advantage of the fact that we know you guys. We know our, our community. We mm-hmm. know our issues. And if you have a problem with us, you can track us down in the grocery store and tell yep. us. You and know. they do. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> um, so, And we try to be as um, fair and balanced as we possibly can. And I think people recognize that. Um, but... As far as the national media goes, um, with social media and the way it's shared on Facebook and how many people share fake news and think Mm -hmm. that it's real, it's been a real challenge to um, make sure that the readers know the difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bob Hunter and I were discussing that when I talked to him, and he said, you know, it's frustrating because... Any guy in his pajamas living in his mother's basement <laughs> right. can can report the news now. Exactly. Feels like it. News, quote unquote. Right. And it's right. so unfair. And it's, it just, it. there's nothing that burns me more than someone who is reporting the quote unquote news. Right. And they have no, I mean, there's, they don't even know what they're talking about. And I don't even know where they're getting this information. Exactly. And they're filtering it through their own opinions and their own perspectives. And they think it's right. And so, therefore, it's news. Right. Um, And this happened a few months ago. uh, But President Trump held a press conference. A lot of reporters there. It was televised, obviously. Um, And a lot of listeners will remember Jim Acosta from CNN asking questions doing his job. Exactly. Um, and I believe the president called him a terrible person, uh, removed the mic from his hands, and then his press pass was actually pulled that day or the next day. Right. So I kind of got fired up, obviously, and a lot of other journalists got fired up because when we are not able to do our jobs and ask questions, legit questions, exactly. there is something really wrong. And very frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Trump has even suggested that having his own state um, press organization, you know, his own state news or whatever. Um, so doesn't that sound like 
a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not saying Trump is a dictator. I'm not saying that he wants to be. But when he can't handle a tough question, when he's in that position, um, it's frightening that he's trying to take steps to quelch those questions. Exactly. And I just, I mean, looking back at other televised press conferences from other presidents, we've never seen anything like this never, before. Never, no. So it's not this anti anti-Trump stance. It's not, it's just, this has not historically ever happened. Right, exactly. Where the, where, where the press is being, I don't even, I mean, we're just sort of being like pushed aside and our questions aren't being answered. And it's just not, it's to me, it's just not okay. No, and readers should be, and viewers should be mm-hmm. upset by that because if we're not asking those questions, then who is? And then government can do whatever they want. Right. We're supposed to be the watchdogs. We're supposed to ask those tough questions and they're supposed to expect it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how a democracy works. So it's really frightening. It is really frightening. And I just feel like, you know, viewers and readers should be aware of this. And it's not, you know, I, I get where a lot of people would say journalists can tend, reporters can tend to be a little bullying. Mm. But at the same time, it's not bullying. We're holding people of power holding them to their jobs exactly, and making sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. That's our job. Right. And most presidents recognize that whether they hate the press or not, they know we're doing our jobs. Right. And it gives them a chance to answer those questions. And if they can't, then there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And that goes along. I mean, that's for city managers, city councilors, right. chiefs of police and, you know, fire chief. I mean, everyone, like it's our job to ask those questions and, I mean, I know sometimes it's not comfortable. Right. It's butt clenching. (laughs) And it's their job to do their job in public. Mm -hmm. They are public servants. Do their job in public. Be transparent. Okay. Um, Anything new coming up or happening with the trip that you're especially excited about? Um, Well, we spent 2018 doing a lot of transitioning um, Mm -hmm. because we had to get off our old owner's, um, you know, website and internal systems, all kinds of systems, everything from accounting to putting out the paper. And so that took a lot of time and challenges. I bet. So we do have a new website. We're going to get um, more improvements to that website in the next few months. And um, we're looking at 2019 as being the time when we can really concentrate on doing better video than we are now, doing more with you guys, Mm -hmm. um, and just trying to serve the community even better than we have been. Because we've been struggling under um, former owners and now that we've got Steve Saslow and Rosebud Media as our new owners, then we can look forward and actually expand mm-hmm. and improve. And, and that part's exciting. It is really exciting. The idea that, you know, KTVL and Rosebud and the Mail Tribune are kind of partnering together to really just bring, do a, a, a crazy better job on stories than mm-hmm. we're doing right now is just so exciting. Yeah, in all media. And access. Exactly. I love it. I'm super excited about that, too. Yeah, me too. Um, and so I'm going to ask, a, we've been talking a lot about the trip, and you're married to this job and you love your job. <laughs> no no talking about journalism whatsoever. What does Kathy Noah like to do in her free time? Let's see. It's been a while since I've had some. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what I like to do um, on weekends? I like to plug in my earbuds and listen to Harry Potter 
on Audible Books. I love that. Because <laughs> Jim Dale, who reads it, does all the voices. And oh, it's just, yeah, and it's just so distracting. I mean, it's just, you know, immerse, mm-hmm. I get immersed in those books. And then I clean the house or I do a puzzle or something that's just totally mm-hmm. not journalism. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, look at the news and just try to, to take a break from it sometimes. Yeah, I'm definitely on my days off. I don't check my email or I try not to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't look at the news. And I know a lot of really, you know, even my boss, Chad, is a, just a news junkie. Mm, and yeah. so he's like, I watched this thing on Sunday. And I'm like, Chad, I'm not turning on the news on Sunday. <laughs> I know. I appreciate your passion for it, but I just, I need a break sometimes. Exactly. I do have news alerts that come on my phone. Same. So if something big happens, I will know. Same. And I'm, you know, always available to um, the people at the Mail Tribune. They can mm-hmm. call or text anytime. But sometimes they just have to turn off that news thing just a little bit here and there exactly and that's why we have wineries for me (laughs) right oh i love that too yeah what do you like to do in your spare time um wineries wineries aren't they awesome they are awesome it's and i feel there are so many that you go to and you feel like you're in a different part of the world Mm -hmm. there's a lot of them like that around here they're just so stunning and beautiful i know we're so lucky yeah we really are anything that involves really drinking and eating (laughs) And socializing. We're so there. I am in. I am in. And we're very lucky that we have, that's exactly what we have here. And exactly. I feel like more of it's coming. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> I know. A lot of, our, our little valley is just changing really fast. It is. Just in the last decade that I've been here. But it's exciting. It's good changes. For sure. All right, Kathy, you know, we're wrapping up and we're getting to the final three. Uh, best <laughs> advice you've ever been given? I would have to say that is... Um, always ask for forgiveness rather than permission in the first place. Boom. I know. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I use it a lot Mm -hmm. because you really have to make um, on the fly decisions and you have to take chances and be courageous. And you can't do that if you're asking permission every time you turn around. Um, Sometimes it gets you in trouble. But our our boss, Steve Zaslow, his favorite saying is make a decision. If it's the wrong decision, make another which is great. That is good advice. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than when you don't do something that you really felt in your gut you should have done. Oh, exactly. And then later you find out you could have done that mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have gotten in trouble. Right. So just go for it. And sometimes getting in trouble is worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's our job, I think, right. a little bit to take those risks when it comes to absolutely reporting the truth and getting all the facts straight. Right. Agreed. Nice. If you ever left this place, Southern Oregon... Um, what would you miss the most? What's your What's your happy place here? Mm. I have. I'm fortunate to have an amazing group of friends. We have a dinner club that um, gets together every month at different houses, and um, we go to wineries together. And I would just miss that social connection with those guys because they'll do anything for me, and I'll do anything for them. Yeah. And friends feed your soul. Oh, they do. Yeah. They fill up your friendship tank, which is absolutely <laughs> necessary. Exactly. And my favorite question, if you were ever given a final meal and a final drink, what would that look like? Mm. Well, it would have to be pasta. I'm nice. a big pasta head. Okay. Any kind of pasta, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking my language. <laughs> the richer, the better. Right. <laughs> and wine. I love wine, especially Pinot Gris. That's my favorite at the moment. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Maybe from, oh, no, you know what it would be? Chriselle Sellers Sauvignon Blanc. Fantastic. I love that. It is a good. Have you had their Albarino? 
Oh, yes. That's a good one, too. Excellent. Nice Spanish varietal. We can just do all of those here in Southern uh, Oregon. And any kind of wine, actually. That was my last day. <laughs> just, here's my glass. Yeah, right. Fill, Fill it up. up. <laughs> I love that. If you are listening to this podcast and you like it, you can uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. We're also on Google Play. And if you want to check out the video portion of this podcast, head to ktbl.com, click on features, and then off script. Kathy Noah, this was super fun. It was fun. Thank you, Trish. I appreciate it. I like getting to know you, and I'm super excited working with you more and more and more in the future. Me too. Mm